family, whether you are cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there's room for you here. This is a safe place to learn, to grow, and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. The round reminds us our spiritual growth is not just for our own benefit. We're all here to receive something this morning, but we also all have something to give. So as we soak in the grace and truth of God's love, we can also spread God's love to one more person. Today we are wrapping up a series of sermons we've been calling Asking for a Friend. We've been looking at some of the objections that people raise to the Christian faith or just questions that people have generally about the Christian faith. And sometimes when we, we share these questions, we are, uh, you know, asking for a friend. And other times we are actually asking for a friend. We would like to better understand the issues at hand and see if we can't be helpful to someone in our own lives. So we've looked at questions around faith and science, God and evil, um, and then Christianity's track record in general. I also, during this series, reached out to our ministry partners and asked, what are some of your asking for a friend questions? And I got back a long list of excellent questions that I'm going to take to our next sermon planning retreat and plop on the table and say, we need to answer some of these for these fine folks. I mean, but great questions around like, um, we say cautious, curious, committed. Is that a linear progression? Because usually I feel like all three at the same time. Um, asking for a friend, of course. Or uh, uh, can you help me help my kids think through uh, questions around um, marriage and uh, sexual orientation and gender identity? Um, can, can you help us think through uh, end-of-life stuff? What, what does it look like as you come to the end of your life and what's on and off the table? for a person who follows Jesus, like good, good questions, deep questions. Not, I love our church. <laughs> and, and so I, I'm excited to, to see how we'll continue. So I'm kind of thinking of this asking for a friend thing, maybe something we need to do uh, more regularly, build into our rhythm a little bit to tackle some of these big questions together. Today, though, I don't want to focus on a specific question. I want to take a step back and I want to think about how do we respond to roadblocks and questions more generally? So instead of addressing a particular question, whether we today I want to look at whether it's you who's wrestling with a question or a friend and you're helping that friend wrestle with a question, how do we think about those questions and roadblocks? And so the passage we want to study is the one Joe read for us earlier, John chapter 1, starting in verse 43, verse 43 to 51. If you do not have a Bible, you are always free to take the one in the chair as our gift to you. We would, we would love that. So this is from chapter 1 of John. This means it's going to be early in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is just beginning to call his disciples. And we learn this in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. So you've got Andrew, you've got Peter, they're already following Jesus, and now Jesus goes to their hometown boy Philip and says, follow me. Now you'll notice the Bible says that Jesus found Philip. Philip did not find Jesus. Philip was not out looking for Jesus. Jesus was looking for Philip. Jesus still operates in much the same way today. As much as we feel like we are searching for God, what we often discover is that God is searching for us. 
And there comes this moment where we realize we are looking into the deep and compassionate eyes of Jesus. And he says to us, follow me. And how will we respond? Will we hold on to the life that we know, or will we let go of that life and start to follow Jesus, live Jesus' way, be Jesus' disciples? Well, Philip decides to let go. He lets go of his former life. He lets go of the life where Philip was in control, and he decides to follow Jesus. And we learn in verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Philip is so excited about Jesus, he's so excited about following Jesus, he runs off and tells his friend Nathaniel. Now, there may have been lag time between Jesus saying, follow me, and Philip running off to find Nathaniel, but the Bible doesn't actually say that there was any lag time. So I like to imagine it was immediate. And so, you know, Jesus says to Philip, follow me. And Jesus says, or Philip says, yes. And then he runs off to go find his friend Nathaniel. And so I just imagine the other disciples scratching their heads being like, how's he going to follow you if he's running the other direction? To which Jesus would reply, oh, he's not the last of my followers who will be running the other direction. That's how I imagine it went down, but we don't know exactly. What we know is that Philip finds his homeboy Nathaniel, trying to relate to the younger people, Philip finds his homeboy, Nathaniel, and both of these two are steeped in the Old Testament. They have been waiting for the Christ, the Messiah. Those are titles. It's actually the same title in different language. They're waiting for the Christ, the Messiah, which is a title for God's promised deliverer. Throughout the Old Testament, God has been promising to send a deliverer, which the people called the Messiah or the Christ. They have been waiting for this person, and now Philip is telling Nathaniel, we don't have to wait any longer for the Messiah, for the Christ. He's no longer a promise. He is here. I've met him, Jesus of Nazareth. So how is Nathaniel going to respond to the excited, young, fledgling faith of his friend Philip? He is going to commence Operation Wet Blanket. Verse 46, Nazareth, can anything good come from there, Nathaniel asked? Now, this is tough because some people get hung up on Jesus saying he's God. Some people get hung up on Jesus saying he's human. Some people get hung up on Jesus' resurrection. Nathaniel got hung up on Jesus' hometown, Nazareth. So I guess if we were doing this series 2,000 years ago, we'd have to have a week on, can anything good come from Nazareth, asking for a friend? It makes you stop and wonder, though, like, where do our questions about Jesus and our roadblocks about Jesus come from? Because, like, for Nathaniel, though it sounds silly to us, this was like a deeply held thing for him. He did not believe that the plans and purposes of God were going to come true because of some dude from Nazareth. But why? You know, we don't necessarily know. I mean, we, we do know that uh, it was a, Nazareth was a place where there was a strong Roman military presence, and so it could be that Nathaniel was having a little, a little bit of a, 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 
uh, a Jewish nationalist, and so he was just uh, didn't like the idea that it was a Roman stronghold. He, he could have dated a girl from Nazareth years ago. Like, we don't know what the issue is. But for whatever reason, he doesn't like Nazareth. Where, where do our questions about Jesus come from? Where do our own concerns or roadblocks about Jesus come from? Well, the truth is, some of them come from the failures of Christians, right? Christians, we've said this, throughout history, Christians have done, and through today, have done any number of dumb or hurtful or unhelpful things. We have not always been good representatives of Jesus. And so some of the questions, some of the roadblocks that you, I, or others experience are a result of how Christians, right? Like me, like a Christian, like many of us, like Christians, the ways we have not lived up to God's calling on our lives. So as a follower of Jesus, I need to be willing to admit, to ask for forgiveness for the ways that I have not lived up to God's calling on my life. Ask forgiveness from God and ask forgiveness from those I've hurt. But that's not the only place that our questions or objections you know, come from. Some questions and objections that we raise come from personal or societal biases. Personal or societal biases. Our questions about Jesus, the things that keep us from fully embracing Jesus, also tell us a lot about ourselves, also tell us a lot about our society. That's not to negate the question, that's not to negate the roadblock, but just to say the questions you or I have about Jesus, the roadblocks that I run into, what do those tell me about me? What do those tell me about the society that I live in? Again, not to negate the question, but just so that you and I will have a stronger, more robust understanding of the question that we are asking. Because we do have personal biases, as Nathaniel had a personal bias against uh, Nazareth. We also have cultural, societal biases. And we often don't recognize these until we leave Western civilization for a little while. But for instance, I've got a friend who's a minister in Kazakhstan, like the old Soviet bloc, Kazakhstan. And he says the hardest subject to preach on in Kazakhstan is God's forgiveness. And specifically, that God will, through Jesus, forgive anybody and welcome them into his eternal family. So he was doing a Bible study on, um, it's called the parable of the prodigal son. You may be familiar with it, but if you're not, the general idea is this father welcomes home his son who has run away and squandered everything, and then the father welcomes him home. When he was teaching on the parable of the prodigal son, he had a man get up and storm out, saying the father had no right to welcome back that son. Now, I'll just tell you, in the U.S., that's like our favorite parable of Jesus. Like, that's batting practice for a, a pastor to get that passage. But in Kazakhstan, it is not. And, and so the difference there is a cultural one, is a societal difference. In, in Kazakhstan, it's more of a shame and honor culture. And so Jesus' view of forgiveness is a touchy subject there. Now, in the U.S., what are the touchy subjects? What are the sermons it's hard to sit through? Well, money and proper sexual behavior. Right? Jesus' view on giving generously, Jesus' view of proper sexual behavior. Now, I'm told in Kazakhstan, those are batting practice, but not for us. 
Why? Because generally speaking, the U.S. is a materialistic, highly sexualized culture, and we don't like being told what to do. So these are societal differences. These are cultural differences. And if we're not careful, over time, we may internalize a cultural or societal difference as a, as a personal bias. And the personal bias will make us double down on our insistence, life is going just fine without Jesus. So that's where Nathaniel is. He's kind of doubling down. Life is just fine without Jesus. And Philip responds, and Philip's response is profound. It is brilliant, but it came off the cuff. It just came right out of him. Verse 46, Nazareth, can anything good come from there, Nathaniel asked? Come and see, said Philip. Come and see. It is a simple response. It is a profound response. He does not dismiss Nathaniel's question. He does not minimalize Nathaniel's roadblock. At the same time, he doesn't think that all that Nathaniel needs is a finely tuned answer. The thing he needs most of all is to come and see Jesus. Come and see. Have we ever improved on that statement? I don't think so. I don't really know that we can. Now, as you grow in your faith, you may well develop great answers to great questions. Great answers to great questions around faith and science, uh, God and evil, uh, the track record of Christianity, muddy and sexual behavior and forgiveness and whatever else uh, the, the issues of the day will be. It's a good thing to have good answers to good questions, but answers are not the be-all, end-all. The be-all, end-all of the Christian faith is come and see Jesus. Come with your questions. Come with your doubts. Come with your fears. Come with your disbelief. Come with your hurts. Come with your failures. Come and see Jesus. Look into his deep and compassionate eyes. In our day and time, people can encounter Jesus worshiping in a church. People can encounter Jesus reading the Bible, especially the four books of the Bible that, that detail the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all right together in the Bible, so they're easy to find. But Nathaniel and Philip, they actually went to see Jesus in the flesh. They could do that. So Nathaniel took Philip up on his offer, verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Couldn't just take the compliment. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So Nathaniel's approaching, he's coming to see, and as he's approaching, Jesus says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He can't just accept the compliment. He says, how do you know me? But it seems like that comment was a little more meaningful than you or I might have thought, that it somehow made Nathaniel feel even a little bit known, but Jesus was not done. Jesus says, I know you because I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. And at this, Nathaniel's eyes get like really big. And the skepticism starts to leak out of his soul. 
And he says that Jesus is the Messiah, is the Christ. He has come to deliver and save God's people. Now, at this point, you may be asking, okay, so what was so meaningful about the fig tree comment? Well, I have a master's degree in this field. I can read the Bible in its original languages if I need or want to. And I can tell you for certain that I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Some people think it's a metaphor. Some people think that the, the, under the fig tree is where Nathaniel would go and study the Scripture and pray. So maybe that morning he had been studying or praying about the Messiah. These are all theories people come up with. I don't know. What I do know is that Jesus spoke to Nathaniel in a way that was deeply meaningful to him. Nathaniel knew that Jesus could see into the depths of his soul, knew him completely, and still loved him. Jesus spoke to Nathaniel in a way that was deeply meaningful to him. Nathaniel knew that Jesus could see into the depths of his soul, that Jesus knew him completely, and that Jesus still loved him. It's a fig tree moment. Jesus did that throughout the Bible. Jesus does it still today in a way that may seem tailored just to you, in a way that may not even seem meaningful to other people. Jesus will do something in your life that assures you you are completely known and still loved. That Jesus has a purpose and a hope for your life that is beyond what you could have imagined for yourself. These little fig tree moments. And sometimes you try to explain it to somebody else and they look at you and they're like, I'm so glad that was meaningful for you. You know what that means. But this is how Jesus works. Jesus does not just work in these big and powerful ways. In this moment, early on in his ministry, he looks Nathaniel in the eyes and says, I saw you under the fig tree. And even today, we don't know what he meant by that, except that it went right through Nathaniel's skeptical soul and caused him to change. So verse 15 and 51, Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So Son of Man is a title. It's a title for Jesus. Very good. Always a safe guess at church. It's a title for Jesus. It comes from the Old Testament book of Daniel, which we studied about a month or two ago. So Jesus says, you're going to see angels ascending and descending on me. Now, what in the world is he talking about? We do know what he meant here. Well, you may notice on the screen, ascending and descending on is in quotation marks, right? That means it's quoting something. He's quoting something. If you check the footnotes in your Bible, you'll figure out he is quoting from the Old Testament. He is quoting from Genesis chapter 28. In Genesis chapter 28, there's a guy named Jacob. Jacob is a control freak. He always has to be in charge. And so some of God's and Jacob's, some of Jacob's most uh, best encounters with God, his fig tree moments with God, happened when God would catch him by surprise so that Jacob couldn't be in control. 
And in, in Genesis 28, Jacob is having a dream. And God catches him by surprise in a dream. And in the dream, Jacob sees a ladder. Jacob's ladder sees a ladder connecting earth and heaven. This is Genesis 28, verse 12. He had a dream, Jacob, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, this translation said a stairway, so this must be the Led Zeppelin translation I'm looking at here. But whether it's a ladder, whether it's a stairway, you sort, of, you sort of get the idea. It connects earth and heaven, and you'll know it's the ladder, it's the stairway, because you will see angels ascending and descending on it. So what is Jesus saying when he says, you'll see angels ascending and descending on me? He's saying, I'm the ladder. I'm the stairway. I'm the one that's going to connect earth and heaven. I'm the one that Jacob foresaw all those centuries ago. Jesus did not simply come into this earth to peer into our souls. Jesus came into this earth to reconcile us to God, to reconcile us to our Creator, to bridge heaven and earth, to be the ladder, to be the stairway, to be the one who leads us back to our Father who is in heaven, the one who gets us over the gap we could never get over ourselves. And so Jesus says... Bring me your questions, bring me your doubts, bring me your hurts, bring me your shortcomings, come and see and be transformed. That's the kind of church we want to be because we think that's how Jesus is. Come with your questions, come with your doubts, come with your biases, come with your fears, come with your shortcomings, come with your failures, come and see Jesus and be transformed. So my question for us to this day is this one. What is your personal takeaway from the encounter that Philip and Nathaniel had with Jesus? What is your personal takeaway from the encounter that Philip and Nathaniel had with Jesus? Do you, like Philip, need to say yes to Jesus' invitation to follow? Do you, like Philip, need to say, come and see in the midst of the questions that a friend has? Do you need to say, come and see to yourself? Sometimes, especially after you've been a Christian for any period of time, you can get so wrapped up in the questions that sometimes you just forget where this started, which was, I need to spend time with Jesus. Or do you, like Nathaniel, need to be someone who comes and sees who Jesus truly is? Questions and all, doubts and all, disbelief and all, come and see as Nathaniel did. Do you, like Nathaniel, need to be someone who, who receives that assurance that Jesus gives you, that tailored to you assurance that Jesus gives? I mean, it's interesting that Nathaniel did not try to explain it away. He didn't say, well, there was another tree when I was under the fig tree. Maybe he was hiding behind the fig tree. Maybe he... He's a skeptical dude, and yet he just received it as the assurance that it was. Maybe you and I need to do the same. So we're going to transition here in a minute into a time for reflection and a communion 
before we do that, my last thought is just to fast forward the movie for a moment and to say we, we learned from some of the early Christian writers that Nathaniel was also known in some circles as Bartholomew. Uh, he was one of the disciples who ate the Last Supper with Jesus. He was one of the disciples who fled when Jesus was killed on the cross. He was one of the disciples in whom new life was breathed when Jesus resurrected from the grave. He was one of the disciples to whom Jesus said, now go and make disciples of all nations. Go and spread the message, the love of Jesus to anybody who will listen. The early Christian historians tell us that uh, Nathaniel went northeast of Turkey to the side of the Caspian Sea opposite Kazakhstan, a place called Armenia. And in Armenia, Nathaniel was their Philip. He was the one who told them about the good news of Jesus. If you go meet Christians in Armenia today, they will say, Nathaniel's our guy. They still point to Nathaniel as the person who brought them the good news of Jesus. And so I say, not bad, Nathaniel. Not bad at all. And yet again, we see the amazing grace of Jesus on display. As he says, come to me with your questions, with your doubts, with your biases, with your failures, with the parts of you that don't believe, come to me and be transformed. With that, I'll let Dr. Bud lead us into a time of reflection and communion. Michael, thank you for so faithfully unpacking God's Word for us every week. We are, we are blessed to have you here. Every one of us here this morning is a Nathaniel. Every one of us here this morning is known fully and completely by Jesus Christ. Jesus knows the good, the bad, and the ugly about every one of us. Deep down, we know that too. And every one of us here this morning would love to have the opportunity to go back and to do some things over. Maybe it's to take back some words that we spoke in anger. Maybe it's to behave differently in ways that would reflect the morals that we hold and the ethics that we have. And those past words and actions can haunt us. The problem is we can't go back. We can't go back and undo those things which we have done. We cannot go back and do those things which we should have done that we did not do. And so we find ourselves at a loss. How is it that we can be made right?
how is it that we can be made whole? How is it that we can be cleansed and forgiven? This morning, my privilege is that I get to be Philip. So my role this morning is to simply invite you to come and see. Come and meet the one, the only one, who can forgive you of all of your transgressions, all of your failures, every single one. Jesus can wipe the slate clean On the night that he was betrayed, he sat with 12 of his disciples, his closest followers, at a Passover meal. And during that meal, he took a loaf of bread, he gave thanks to God for it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is now the new covenant in my blood, which was poured out and shed for you for the remission of your sins, all of them. Take and drink from it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul said, as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we do proclaim Jesus' death, that death which pays for all of our sin until he comes again. This morning we have six stations, two in the center and one in each corner of the gym. All of the bread is gluten-free. And you'll come to the table, you'll take a piece of bread, dip it into the cup and receive it that way. This is a table for those who have answered the call to follow Jesus. And so if you're still struggling with that question, that's okay. This is a great time for you to continue to, to have that conversation with God to listen to Philip's plea to come and see. And maybe this morning there was something that Michael said that was just right for you, and this is the day when you want to answer that call. You're welcome at this table. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your invitation. We thank you that you know us completely and you still love us unconditionally. And God, many have come here this morning bearing burdens of the past. I pray that this day and this moment, they would release those to you. They would allow Jesus Christ's forgiveness to seep into the 
the core of their being. And that they might leave this place this morning finally free in Jesus' name. Amen. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. And so we invite you to come.